a really big proponent of failure. If you're not failing all the time, you're not succeeding at all. I really believe this. But school doesn't teach you how to fail. One of the things that parents need to show kids how to do is fail and fail well. Welcome to another episode of Right of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. I'm your host, Stacy Curtis. I've made it my mission to help people with tough life situations tell their stories. Why? Because life story writing helped me get through a very difficult time. The Right of Your Life podcast is committed to sharing compelling stories of ordinary people. Our goal is to help you, our listeners, know how to transform your own life by telling your life stories. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to tell your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. Our guest today is Deb Ross, the publisher of kidsoutandabout.com and the new website beyondthenest.com. Deb is a big proponent of failure and believes that we need to teach our kids to fail often and well. She also tells us if we can teach our kids to write, that will propel their success much faster than almost any other skill. Listen in as Deb shares her ideas on teaching kids to fail well and how to get them to write well. Welcome, Deb. Oh, thanks for having me, Stacy. I'm so glad to be here. I have been a Deb Ross fan for years and years. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Sure. Well, I was an English major way back when, and in the early 90s especially, that meant you could do everything or nothing. And so I kind of opted for a little bit of everything. Pretty quickly, I went into computers and computer technology and small business, which was really fortuitous. And I was a consultant for a while, and then I started having my daughters. I started in 1999. I had my first one. By the time 2001 rolled around, I was living in Rochester, New York, which I still am, and I noticed how much great stuff there was in our community for kids to do. But I was finding out all about it after the fact because the internet was just a toddler back then and there really wasn't such a thing as a community calendar. So I made one for our area so that I would know and so that other parents like I would know what was happening. And it kind of grew and grew and grew and grew. And then in about 2009, the technology had evolved enough such that you didn't have to be a technology geek as well as a writer to manage one of these things. You could be a normal, regular person. And so we started expanding out of Rochester then. And now we are all over the country with local sites telling parents in 15 different regions and growing what they can do with their kids that weekend and all the way up into the future. That's exciting. And that's at kidsoutandabout.com, right? That's exactly right. And then you have a new venture. Tell us about that. That's right. It's called beyondthenest.com. And that is for folks who want to know what's happening in their community for grown-ups, for empty nesters, <laughs> right, for retirees, for, or for singles, for people who are interested in what's happening culturally, recreationally, and sports, and in outdoor stuff, and how to be active, all through after your kids leave, we wanted to give them something to graduate to. So, you know, I wouldn't have done that site. I couldn't have been able to do it 10 years ago. 
because folks in the 55 to 65 or so uh, category, they weren't on the internet, Mm -hmm. but now everybody is. Oh, yeah. So it's just a growing, growing market. And so I'm really excited. In the 15 regions that we have kids out and about, we also have these online calendars and resource lists and articles for Beyond the Nest. Oh, fabulous. Deb, you just recently published a book called Seasons and Reasons, A Parent's Guide to Cultivating Great Kids. Tell us a little bit about that book. Sure. Each week for Kids Out and About, we have a publisher's note that goes out over a local newsletter telling you what's happening. So each region has its own newsletter. As publisher, though, I get to write something at the top. And I've loved doing that over the years. I've had about 800 of these little short publisher's notes. And as you write, as I know that you and your listeners know, you as you learn to write about your life or your kid's life, you learn to live that life. It's, it's fascinating. If mm-hmm. as a parent, having this weekly need to say something interesting and knowledgeable and pithy and all that I had learned from other folks, having a way to crystallize that into a short and to the point essay that other parents could learn from also, that really helped with parenting and living at the same time. I mean, people have responded really super well to that. And as you also know, you get better at it as time goes on. You see not only what's important and what your readers respond to, but you also find ways to formulate it much better, so succinctly too. Yeah, that's really interesting. So it's almost like I read your publisher's notes, I get inspired, and it's like that quote, you make me want to be a better parent, oh, right? Thanks, yes. And so you're almost inspiring yourself by writing that. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly exactly what I'm saying. I think that when anybody writes about their life, especially if you're doing it for publication, you are trying to say not just the smartest thing. Good writing is not the appearance of a good thing that happened, but it goes a little bit more to the heart of the matter. You allow your own vulnerability to sort of shine through a bit and let that be what readers connect with because every parent feels vulnerable. Right. So you put your failures in there as well. I do. I certainly do. (laughs) I mean, I'm a little bit at arm's length. I try to write as much about what other people have told me that has inspired me as how my failures have inspired myself. But I'm, (laughs) I'm actually a really big proponent of failure. As an entrepreneur, if you're not failing all the time, you're not succeeding at all. I really believe this. Mm -hmm. So but school doesn't teach you how to fail at all. Right. And I think that one of the things that parents need to show kids how to do is fail and fail well. Let's hope not terribly spectacularly, but fail all the time. You always want to be at the edge of your own abilities if you can. Mm -hmm. And that means failing. But so think about what a writer is doing and especially a writer who's editing her own work. You're failing. Right. Every time you murder your own words (laughs) and you put something else in, That's a small acknowledgement that what you just wrote failed to convey either what you meant it to convey or anything important or, you know, worthwhile. And so writing is a bit of an ego blow all the time. But then, of course, I get to show my kids, mom is not perfect. And mom doesn't need to be perfect because you can Mm -hmm. always make something better. Always, always. And then there comes to a point where it's good enough. Uh And you take a deep breath and you hit that send button and you move on to the next productive thing. 
I've had the benefit myself of homeschooling. So I didn't have kids who were in that high pressure situation of having to make an A all the time. Homeschooling is a very safe environment to fail. Mm -hmm. So I think parents who don't have that privilege or that ability, you need to construct other circumstances where your kids can fail. But for your listeners who are writers, pointing out to your kids that you fail all the time when you're writing. And that's part of the process. It's fine. I think that flows over into the rest of life. Right. Then they grow up to be teenagers and they enjoy pointing out where you failed. Oh, no right? kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they become experts at that. Right. right. Oh, exactly. I think that's a good life lesson that you learn from writing, both how to be a better parent, how to look at what it is you've done and think, hey, I would do that really differently the next time. <laughs> but also just the fact of failure. And that goes for kids who might could write too. And I know you're a big proponent of kids writing about their lives, correct? I absolutely am. How does that work? Okay. So I, I do firmly believe that it's for our kids' generation, if they can write, that will propel their success much, much faster than almost any other skill. It, it will distinguish them from the people who can't write. And sadly, I would say that that's, that this is a dying art. So I love your podcast is encouraging people to, uh -huh. to keep this art alive and in front of people as important. So how do you get kids to write, especially if they are in school and they're already being forced to write all the time and maybe not feeling that great about it? I combine this a lot with lessons in gratitude, if I can. Mm -hmm. I think it's an excellent thing to teach kids to be grateful for their own circumstance in any case. And the way we do that is we express our gratitude to the people who create value in our lives or in the world. And so a really great intro way that kids as young as they can hold a pencil and draw a picture can do is if you as a family have a principle of expressing gratitude in letters to people who um, affect your family in a positive direction. Now you're talking about actual like physical letters, I real sure letters. I am, real okay. letters. I think email is lovely, email is fine. We should do that too. Uh -huh. And if that's easier, it's much better than nothing. But think about the specialness of opening the mail and having a letter from a child or a family, but especially from a child that says, here is what you have done that, and here's what it did for me. Here's my story. So when a child is expressing gratitude for something, they are telling their story in a way that makes an immediate difference to people. Mm. I love that as a strategy. Right. Well, gratitude begets joy too. So not only are you enriching the person who's, who the letter is going to, but you're enriching your own life as well. No question about it. You're exactly yeah. right. I like that. Can you give us an example of what one of those letters would look like? Oh, sure. Anybody who has my book can turn to page 129. Uh -huh. At the end of the year, what I think is an excellent exercise and tradition and worthwhile thing to do as a family is to hand out what I like to call peak prizes. All that means is sitting down and thinking, who was it that you know or encountered that year that made the world better or made your world better. I have my nice little short essay on peak prizes as a great way to end the year. It's odd. I love my local Home Depot. Now you think, oh, no, wait a minute. That's some big faceless, you know, corporate. Why are you writing to the Home Depot? No, 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 no. Right. People work at the Home Depot and people. Real people. Real people uh -huh. do. And so sending a letter to, the, in my case, I liked the Home Depot this past year. So, you know, if you write, dear Miss Smith, I wanted to take a few minutes. So I'll help your kids write this, by the way. Mm -hmm. If you also compose it as a family, that helps your kids learn good formulation too. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I wanted to take a few minutes to let you know how much your business has meant to us this year. Every time we arrive at the Home Depot, 
were treated like friends. Your team members, particularly Jim Dierks, have always been helpful, especially when we were trying to make the, in our case, it was the, the storage room neater. We wish you a productive upcoming year. Sincerely, the Rosses. Very simple, right? Yeah, but it, right. it helps focus kids on the good things in their life, why it's important to, as justice almost, as sort of like a closing of that circle. Uh, somebody does something good by you, then you return the favor through your gratitude. Their life is made better. And that letter will go up on the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that name, Jim, will be highlighted. Everybody will see it. And maybe those people there at the Home Depot will get the idea to go home and hand a peak prize to somebody else as a family. You know, it's this kind of thing can spread. Oh, that's cool. And so you and you can do that at the end of the school year as well oh. with your teachers. And I, I imagine they would treasure those letters. That's a great idea. Yeah. I know this email is wonderful, but the physical opening of that envelope, just like the physical mm -hmm. opening of a book, there's kind of nothing like it. And we don't want to lose that. We want to continue that in our culture. So have you done that over the years with your kids and now they're, they can write their own, right? Exactly. Oh. As a homeschooling project, actually, the writing of letters, whether a positive letter or a criticism letter, like so if we get a product and it was not up to our expectations, teaching kids how to write a positively formulated, but a definite opinion about the product, you actually, especially when kids send this, they very frequently get a response back, which closes that sort of little feedback loop and makes them want to do it that much more. So it's a great right. exercise, even just, you know, as you're teaching your kids to write. And that kind of brings me to another question. I, I know there's other things that kids can write about that are not necessarily about their lives or things that don't necessarily go right. Oh, yeah. You know, they go awry. And do you help kids or do you encourage kids to to write about that stuff too? Sure. And here's a way, this is something that my kids, they've heard me say this for so long, but everything's material. Everything is part of a story. And they get bored. They have said that this is a kind of, oh dear, we're tired of hearing that mom. <laughs> but they're going to remember that because everything is material, the good and the bad, because everything helps. When you write about what has happened, even if you're not writing it for publication, you write that as a kind of story arc. Here's how it started. Here's how this developed. And then here's how this ended. When you do that, you kind of take a step back and look and say, okay, what was that story arc like? All right, how was that ending? How would I have chosen to end that had I thought about this more or had been able to make that happen? Give us a specific instance, if you can, that you can think of, just so we can kind of formulate that in our minds of like, what sort of instance would a child write about their life right. that didn't go right. Okay, so think about there's somebody in your class who's a bully. Mm -hmm. And that person says something not very nice to one of your friends. That's great elements of a story, right? Think that that's, oh, yeah. that's the beginning of a story. There's there's <laughs> a plot, there's an evil doer, there's tension, <laughs> there's uncertainty, and then there's resolution. There's some kind of either it's a satisfying or a non-satisfying resolution. The first thing that a kid can do is they can write the story of actually what happened mm -hmm. and then look back and say, okay, did I handle this the way I should have? Looking back, how would I have wanted this story to end? And so maybe in the case, my daughter came to the conclusion that, yeah, I didn't do what I ought to have there. Mm -hmm. And right now, I don't know if I have the stuff to make that happen the way it ought to in, in a good story. But I think someday I will. 
Wow. So see, and now then if they always see themselves potentially writing about in a story, whatever it is they're doing, and maybe and so if you have a regular habit as a kid of writing of your life, then when you're in the middle of the story, you know some of those lessons already because you yourself have already written and owned those lessons. And it makes uh-huh. it easier because you can envision yourself in the future telling that story to your parents or to your friends or even just to yourself or to your kids. Right. And if you already know how you want that to happen, it can give you the courage to make the right thing happen when you might not have that skill otherwise. It's a way of focusing you on that and giving you that courage. So in essence, you're writing your own ending to each story that you have. You're constantly doing that. You're writing yourself into that story and you're writing a a great ending to it. I love that. I hadn't thought of that that before. Those are some fabulous life lessons to learn early on, the, the benefit of reflecting on what's happened, reflecting on your actions. How much further ahead would a child be having done this than getting into adulthood, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and reflecting on the poor choices that they've made? If they do this early on, that sets a fabulous stage for them. I hope so. For success. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. I think so. I think it's working. Time will tell. Right. Mine are teenagers now. And so when you're still in the throes of the story, it's hard to fly above it and <laughs> see where right. you're going to end up. Right. That's really neat. And you also said something I want to talk about. And you said everything is a story. Yes. I just recently said that with my daughter. We were waiting in line at the DMV. <gasps> and I thought... I know what Deb says. Everything's a story. Everything is interesting, no matter how boring it is. So we talked about that. And then as we left on the corner, we saw a man's shoe. And (gasps) my daughter said, I wonder what happened with that. And I said, well, I bet such and such. And I made up a little story. And she goes, no, I bet such and such. And we went on for over an hour with different stories of creative about what happened with that oh, shoe. What a great thing. So you did that out loud, right? That was out that loud. Was, but yeah. that's, it's, yeah. it's, it is the same skill. It's that skill of imagination. Mm-hmm. And formulating that story. Right. You are extremely busy <laughs> and you have to crank out a publisher's note every single week. That's true. How in the world do you do that? Do you stock them up? Do you, where do you pull that creativity from? So I have a list of topics that could be written about in the future. And I actually have a nice cadre of people in my personal life and professional life. And my husband does this all the time. He looks at me and says, oh, that could be a publisher's note. Right. Ah. So when you have. I thought you were going to say, oh, there are plenty of story fodder. (laughs) They are too. Although, but you know, too, when you have teenagers, you can't really use them anymore. Right. Um, Right. In my region, there are 15,000 parents in Rochester, New York, who are reading this, lots of whom are my kids' friends' parents. Uh And so there's not, you can't go to the personal so much with a teenager. But there's a lot of fodder in what you read yourself. I find Seth Godin very, very pithy about this, right? Oh, love Seth Godin. Um, Mm -hmm. And when he makes an observation, very often I bring that down to what does this mean for parents? And how, what, what kind of truth is he saying that should be brought to a lot of people in a 335-word essay. Mm-hmm. But what I'm looking for also is something that actually says something, not the same old stuff you might read in parents' magazines or that you might, with about 20 seconds of thought, dream up yourself. I try to bring a unique perspective and listen very hard for people who are teaching me 
great life lessons. I'm just going to tell you a quick story. Uh, uh-huh. I was at an event called Embrace Living, and this was for the Beyond the Nest website a couple of days ago. And Marv Levy, who was the coach of the Buffalo Bills through all four of their Super Bowl failures, was uh-huh. the keynote speaker. And he said something great that I'm going to remember for forever. He was talking about, you know, he's not 89, but he was uh-huh. talking about when he retired, and he said that he put a hyphen in the middle of that word. So he wasn't retired. He was retired. It meant he got a whole new set of wheels and was ready to roll. I like that. I loved that. Yeah. And so it's not a publisher's note, I think, for kids out and about, but it's definitely filed away in that think about and have a life lesson about what does that all mean? I do, I'm constantly on the lookout for those kind of things, and I go and file them away and write them down. And when I'm feeling a little tapped out for publisher's notes, I go and look at that list of things that I want to write about sometimes. Let me just ask you if you have any other ideas. My kids, when they come home, they don't want to do anything else. They don't want me to recommend that they write something. Are there other types of different writing projects or life story writing that kids can do that would help them other than having them giving them an assignment? Do you know what's kind of weird? Think about texting. I know parents don't Ah. like to think about texting so much, but kids do a whole lot of it. But let's think about what kids are doing in texting. They're, they're writing of their life and they're writing of their life to their peers. So true. Yeah. And so I think even by having a conversation with your kid about what it is they are texting about, that's validating the fact that they are writing of their life and formulating that. And let's see what part of it is they're willing to tell you about. And I think right. that if they're then telling you that story, they're then making a deliberate story out of their own texting. I think that's a nice little strategy. And then you can bring that to their attention. Like this is the story that you're writing about your life, right? And, Absolutely. And that would be another encouragement for them and maybe an aha moment for I them. So I remember my husband tells this story. He was a junior in high school when he finally understood that writing wasn't just about kind of spitting back what the teacher had said, that writing was an act of taking your ideas, what means something to you or how you understood it, and formulating it for yourself, not for Mm. somebody else. Kids don't see themselves as writers if they see themselves as something other than a writer by showing them that they are writers just by being texters or by emailing or even by in their talking, they're telling those stories. If you see, have help them see that as on a continuum instead of something very different than sitting down and formally writing. Right. I think that could get them into a groove where they come to understand that earlier. When you see yourself as somebody who does writing, that changes your life. You are a writer. Right. Well, Deb, thank you so much for being generous with your time. This was wonderful information and hopefully it gives our listeners some great ideas on getting their kids involved in writing and understanding the benefits of that. You bet. I loved being here with you, Stacey. Thanks. Great information from Deb Ross at kidsoutandabout.com and beyondthenest.com. At the end of each episode, I'm going to peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by LifeStorytelling.com, where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and even craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features a book and an app. Yet it's the same thing. It's called the five-minute journal. And get this, it's based on positive psychology research. 
The five-minute journal says that it will prime your brain, cultivate gratitude, and put you in a growth mindset. It starts by including a daily inspirational quote and asks you, what are you grateful for? And it gets you to think, what would make today great? That puts you in a positive mindset. Then at the end of the day, you can capture your best moments with a photo of the day, plus a reflection. What were the best things that happened? The book is the paper version of this tool and includes weekly challenges such as take a different route to your school or work this week. It really gets you to thinking about being grateful and starting and ending your day on a positive note. Cultivating gratitude is the opposite of depression and anxiety. It helps eliminate negative thoughts and helps you to be more creative. If you've thought about journaling but need some positive guidance, I think the 5-Minute Journal is great for your Life Story Toolkit. Well, that's all we have for today. I'd like to thank Deb Ross for sharing all of her great information on kids and writing. If you liked this podcast, you can check out the show notes at writeofyourlife.com slash Deb Ross. There you'll find links to the items mentioned and you'll find some free downloads too. If you'd like to help us out, please share our podcast with someone who has an interesting story to tell or who enjoys listening to interesting stories. We'd love to hear your comments and recommendations for future topics. Head over to writeofyourlife.com and leave us a comment there. To be on the list to get notified of future podcasts, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your app of choice. We're also on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great conversation, except your street corner. My handle is Right of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life.